and welcome to the To Mom podcast. My name is Valerie Propsfeld. Please join me as we encourage mothers to live their verb while also practicing self-grace. The goal of this podcast is to promote love as an action and live life more authentically. Just think about it. In five generations from now, you will have approximately 30 descendants and the number keeps getting larger and larger. We have more power as moms than we realize. Motherhood, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world. Hey everybody, I am thrilled to have my guest here with me today, Sarah Kimmel. She is a host of a super informative and engaging podcast called Family Tech Talk, as well as creator of FamilyTechZone.com. Her site and podcast assist parents to become more familiar with technology their children and teens may use. Sarah is also a regular NBC CBS, and Fox News family tech contributor, a mom of two teenagers, and has been an IT manager for over two decades. Welcome, Sarah. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Now, Sarah, your platform is just incredible. I have learned so much since I discovered you and feel like it is helpful and relatable to all parents, all moms, from the novice to the expert. And you're just so engaging. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how Family Tech came to fruition. Sure. So like you said, I've been in IT for over 20 years. Uh, so mainly most of my career was spent uh, helping small to medium-sized businesses with their IT support. So anything from my computer has a virus to my entire server is down. Um, and so you know, mostly with like an IT consulting firm uh, is mm-hmm. basically where I've been in most of my career. But um, during the course of that, you know, I had my children and all of my friends and neighbors would ask me questions, you know, oh, you know, what, what should I do about this? Cause I, I knew a lot about technology. And so it just came to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm putting it all on a blog and you can just go there for the information. Uh, and since then I've kind of pivoted my content. I do a lot more on YouTube and Instagram these days. Um, and then of course my podcast, um, uh, with family tech talk. So I am kind of, you going with the times and seeing, you know, what, what, where people need to consume the content and kind of trying to position myself there to really help families be the expert in their home, um, so that they can manage the technology because everybody needs to be an IT manager these days to manage the, all the tech in the house. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I feel like it is so important for all of that. And I, gosh, before discovering all of your material, I was always like, I, my husband's an IT consultant. So I'm always asking him questions. Oh, go ask your dad. Like dad knows this. And you have like empowered me with all your information as to like, okay, I, maybe I can do a little bit of this. Maybe I can learn. And, um, so that's so exciting. And really appreciate all you have to offer. Now, Sarah, um, tell us, how can us parents get more involved in what our kids are up to online? I feel like it's just such a vast territory, an unknown territory for a lot of us. Um, So how do we start doing that? How do we start having those conversations or getting more um, involved with that? 
Yeah. Like you just said, having those conversations is, you know, the number one thing, you know, if I am walking by my child who is, you know, hanging out on, on a website and they laugh, you know, Oh, Hey, what's so funny, you know, and just really getting involved or playing the game that they're playing. Uh, you know, so when Fortnite was a huge thing, you know, I encouraged parents to get on Fortnite too and play the game with them as well. Um, because as you are where your kids are sharing, then you are understanding a whole lot more about what they're up to online and and you're able to kind of further those conversations like, hey, I saw you post this thing. Let's talk about it. You know, maybe it wasn't that appropriate or whatever. Um, and then you can just further those conversations. But if you're not there, you're not going to know what's going on. Uh, and so just making sure that you know, like I said, if you're walking past and see them doing something or like, oh, they're on Minecraft. Oh, that looks really interesting to, you know, tell me what you're building. Um, and so just getting involved that way, I think is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great advice. And I am starting to learn a little bit about all of these social media apps that teens are using. My kids are still a bit younger, but I am having my seven, almost turning eight year old, she's starting to you know be exposed more to it. I know time goes so fast and I need to get up to speed with all of these things. So I noticed that on your platform, you talk about like Snapchat, TikTok, and kind of give some recommendations for all of that. Can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on these uh, platforms? Sure. So most social media platforms require the child to be 13 to sign up. So I see so many parents, biggest mistake they make is allowing their kids to use it at 10, 11, 12. The platform themselves, you have to lie about your child's age in order to sign up for the platform before they're 13. And that just sets a really bad precedent for the kid. You know, oh, if I want something, yeah. I just need to lie about it and then I can get it. Um, yeah. And so, you know, the age is 13 for a reason. It's actually against the law for these companies to have data about your child that's under the age of 13. So that's why they just prevent it. Um, so the, the data company or the tech company can get in trouble for having that. So your child's account can get deleted, you know, automatically because if the company finds out that they're under 13, then they'll just delete the account. And so all of that you know, progress or friends they made or whatever will be gone in an instant. And that can be heartbreaking too for your kids. So just mm -hmm. save yourself a lot of heartbreak and wait until they're 13 when they're legally allowed to have the platform. So that's my first kind of uh, thing about social media. The second is um, one of the most surprising things that I usually say about all of the social media platforms is that TikTok actually has the best built-in parental controls of any social media platform. So if you're going to start with anything, I would actually honestly start with TikTok because it has those great controls, but you have to set them up. So, you know, uh, the controls in TikTok will actually prevent your child from logging out of the protected account um, on their device. So they will remain protected. They can't switch back and forth to like an unprotected account. Um, and then you can limit who they can, who can see their content and what they can see and who they can talk to. Um, and all of these things that are really great tools for a parent to be able to establish 
um, you know, real good real rules and things about social media. So, um, I, so I really, I recommend TikTok as the first, first okay. kind of foray into social media. Um, and actually be real is my favorite because be real does not have any direct messaging. It is not something that's going to suck them in it. They're going to, Yes, there's that distraction feature where if it goes off in the middle of class, like everybody wants to like take their be real. Um, <laughs> but but other than that, you know, they're just going to look at all of their friends be reels and then be done. Like it, there's no algorithm or anything that can suck them in. So be real is an okay. also really good starter social media, I like to say. Uh, That's but, good to know. Yeah. So then the other ones, you know, Instagram, a lot of people will say, well, I won't allow Snapchat, but I'll allow Instagram, but they don't realize Instagram actually has most of the features that Snapchat has. So okay. the, you know, like, well, if you're going to allow one, you might as well allow the other because they both have these disappearing messages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you need to be aware of the features that Instagram has stolen from other platforms. So, mm. you know, if you're not going to allow TikTok, but you allow Instagram, well, all of the TikToks are on Instagram. If you're not yeah. going to allow Snapchat, but you're going to allow Instagram, it has disappearing messages like Snapchat. So, you you know, just being aware of all of the features that are in the platform. So Instagram, I would wait, you know, until they're using TikTok or Be Real very um, appropriately, you know, and then move on to something like Instagram or Snapchat. Snapchat, uh, their algorithm is terrible. Um, TikTok has the best algorithm available, but mm-hmm. um, but Snapchat's algorithm is terrible. Like even when I log on to Snapchat, like none of the stuff that's on the like Discover feed is something that I would want to watch. So yeah, I don't know who they think I am, but, <laughs> um, it's not like, and it's generally not appropriate either. So, um, so I would really yeah. wait for Snapchat yeah. until about 16 or so. Okay. And is when I was learning about the TikTok algorithms, which is really interesting, I was surprised with that. And that's super, that's good to know. And do I need to have my own TikTok account in order to set up all these controls? You do. Yeah. And so, and I, like I said before, always be where your kids are sharing. So if your child wants a discord account, you get a discord account, use the platform, find out what is available. Um, you know, and because most of the parental controls that are built into the platforms, you need an account on that platform in order to set it up. Okay. So, um, so you would set up their profile underneath your profile, and then you can monitor it or manage it through mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, so you do need your own TikTok account. You need your own Instagram account. You need your own Discord account. Like whatever your child wants, you need to get an account on that as well. Okay. That's good to know. And you know, that leads me to my other question uh, about the contract, you call it, um, as far as how do we talk to our kids about when they're ready? And you know, all kids, I feel like are a bit different, you know, so maybe one when they're 16 is more able to handle it. You, they've shown that you can trust them with some of these versus maybe not so much another one. Um, and I know you break it down into three categories, this contract. Can you talk to us about that? Cause I thought that was super interesting and helpful. Yeah. So my contract is a little different from a lot of, um, tech contracts out there. And like you mm-hmm. mentioned, I have three different categories. So the first category is basically, 
coming to an understanding together as a family as to what is going to be considered inappropriate in your family. Cause you can't just say in your contract, you're not going to post inappropriate content and then not define what that is. You know, is that going to include violence? Is that going to include certain types of language? Is that going to include, you know, sexual content? So you need to really define what is considered inappropriate in your family. And then a couple other things that I I think kids should just understand about technology. And so that's included in the like the first section of the contract. Like, okay, you understand that nothing that you post online is private. Um, and you know, nothing I post online is private. It's not because you're a kid, it's because that's just the way technology works. There's servers out there, somebody can screenshot, there's so many ways anything that you think is a private conversation can get out there to people you don't want to get out there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that understanding. So the first section is basically just developing an understanding of certain um, things that you will agree to as a family and certain things about technology. So then the second section is the stuff that most tech contracts have is the stuff that uh, I, as the teen am promising to do um, in order to, use this technology. So, okay, I promise that I'm going to have parental controls on the device and I'm not going to try and circumvent them. And it's going to be shut down from this time to this time. And I'm going to, um, you know, anything I post is going to be appropriate. And when I'm talking to another human, I am looking at the human and not at my phone. Um, and so things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's like the section that the teen promises to do with the technology. Then the third section would be what the parent promises to do, because that's what a contract really should be about is a give and take. And so it's not just, I'm the teen, I have to promise to do all of these, you know, so I, as the parent also promise, okay, when you send an app or time extension requests, I'm going to approve them in a timely manner. Like, um, as long as I'm not like driving, you know, my son will text me over and over again, like time, time, time. (laughs) time. I'm like, dude, I'm driving. You want me to get in an accident? You know? <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to approve it in a timely manner in that scenario, but, um, mm-hmm. but I promise like if I, you know, am at my destination, then I'll go ahead and approve it. I won't like keep you on the back burner. Um, but then I also promise to do some of the same things that I am requiring my child to do. Like if I am Mm. talking to you, I will put my phone away. Um, just like I require you to put your phone away when you're talking to me. Um, Mm. and there's certain areas where we're not going to be on technology and things like that. So, um, I really think the three sections really help make this tech contract. Um, and the contract itself is just about, you know, if I'm going to give you the access to use this device, then this is what you're going to agree to. And, not following this is going to result in loss of access to the device. Mm. Um, and so I really like to compare giving a device to your child as um, like a software license. So when you buy like a game, you don't own the game. You can't make changes to the game. You can't make changes to the software. That's You just bought a license to use that software or a license mm. to watch that movie or something like that. So you are just really giving a license to use the product. Um, you don't own the product. And so these are the rules that, um, you know, b- basically this is your end user license agreement, uh, is the tech contract. 
I love that. That's, that's great. And I feel like having that, like you're saying, like having it into the three sections is really, I think, relatable to kids. It makes it just having that conversation. And I love it, having adults also accountable, like putting our down, having that face-to-face communication. Cause I feel like even now, gosh, I have to put my phone in another room. A lot of the right. times it's just like so distracting and yeah. Yeah. So now how can we access, um, that contract? Do you have it on your website? Um, or how can we uh, get a hold of that? Cause I think that would be super helpful. Yeah. So my website, family tech zone, um, if you sign up for my email newsletter, um, mm-hmm. it- and I promise not to spam you. You get one one email a week and it has usually a tech tip in that email. Um, and then just kind of what I've done, you know, my latest YouTube video, my latest podcast episode and things like that. So it's not going to be super spammy, but if you sign up for the email newsletter, uh, you will be emailed the contract for free. Great. Okay. That's good to know. And um, so going back a minute I just want to recap with, we have, you recommend TikTok first at age 13 is, uh, obviously we cannot do before 13, but TikTok and, uh, as well as be Be real. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now be real. I just learned of that from your posts and it kind of reminds me of like when I was in school, like we would just randomly, like, I don't know, all coordinate in the classroom to like drop a book at the same time. And like the teacher... (laughs) Yeah, we thought it was like so funny, and the teacher was like, "What was that? (laughs) Is that kind of like what's going on, or like what is this? Like, like they're just taking a picture." Basically, so um, it's supposed to be like the anti-Instagram, so not like all curated. It's like ah. they send out a notification to basically everybody on the app at the exact same time. So like okay. you know, I'll be like chatting on Marco Polo with my friends and like the Be Real notification will come in. We'll be like, oh, hang on. I got to go do my Be Real. And then... <laughs> You know, so it sends out a notification to everybody. And one time I, it was really funny. I was out for a run and the be real notification came in and I was at a stoplight and I could see people in their cars, like (laughs) pulling out their phone at the stoplight, you know, taking their be real. And I was like, ah, I know what you're doing. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I want to join this now. You really should. Um, (laughs) But the funny thing with Be Real, though, it gained a lot of popularity like last year. All the kids wanted it. All the kids were using it. But it's really died out um, Mm. quite a bit. Okay. Um, But my nieces still post their Be Reals every day. Um, And so if – and they're teenagers. Um, My kids were never into it to begin with. But but I – you know, and my friends – so like you – so you get this notification – and everybody in the world gets the notification at the exact same time. And you, you you have two minutes to take your B-reel. And it takes a picture of the like forward-facing camera and the back-facing camera at the same time. So it like shows exactly kind of where you are and what you're doing at that exact moment. Now, if you are doing something and you can't take your B-reel, you can take it later. It's just going to say that it was like however long late. Oh, right? okay. <laughs> and so... um 
And so it's really fun to kind of see what everybody's kind of just doing. And you can't see anybody else's be real until you take yours. Mm, so mm -hmm. like you can't just like lurk. You have to take your own be real in okay. order to see other people's be reals. It is actually really fun. Um, I don't take a be real almost like every day because most of the time I'm sitting right here at my desk. And so yeah. it gets kind of boring. I'm like, oh, oh here I am working again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't take it every day, but, um, yeah, but anytime yeah. I want to see my friends be reels or something, like I'll definitely take one so I can see them. That's great. Yeah, that's super exciting. Now, I guess if it's every all at the same time, are people sleeping? Like, do you have to wake up for that you know, or alarm? I, mean, I think they're U.S. hours. I've never seen it happen in the middle of the night. Mm. Um, it's happened late a couple times. Like, you know, I'm a I'm an early bird and I go to bed at like 930 and I think yeah. I've seen it happen like at 10 sometimes and I'm on mountain time. So, um, uh, but I've never uh -huh. seen it happen like in the middle of the night. It's usually at some point during the day. That's good to know. Now that brings me to um, some things I want to talk with you about because I um, – was very interested to learn about the Surgeon General recommendation. I know you talk a lot about that and the the warnings that, um, like the pros and the cons of social media. And, um, you know, there's a lot we can talk about with that. Um, now, as far as I, re I read the report, it was so interesting. Like I felt like I, there was, Remind me, there's like a couple points of like action points for everyone, oh, yeah. it sounds like, mm -hmm. which yeah. is great to have accountability from the legislature, from, you know, macro yeah. to micro. Yeah. And yeah, the end of it's amazing because this is like what government can do, what tech companies can do, what schools can do, what parents can do, what teens can do, and like a whole page of stuff that each like group can do to help, like help with the problem. Absolutely. The one thing that I took note of, well, a lot of things, but the one thing that kind of stuck out in my mind just with the younger kids, I feel like we're sometimes having these conversations now, but definitely with teenagers and older kids as well as the sleep issues. And like, how is that interfering with our sleep? Like when you're on a screen time, like I remember when I was in nurse practitioner school, they would talk about, I mean, this was back you know, more than 10 years ago now about you know not having TVs in the room, all that type of stuff. But now we have this screen, this little TV, like just all the time. Now, what do you recommend for your kids? So they are able to get adequate sleep and develop, you know, with those, you know, with an adequate amount of rest. Yeah. Um, I was prepared to hate the Surgeon General's um, advisory because, yeah. you know, most of the stuff that comes out of the government, I feel is too overreaching, too fear mongering and all of the things, you know, I love technology. Mm. I love using technology. And so mm -hmm. I was prepared to totally hate it. I love, love, love the advisory. It is uh. amazing. I read the whole thing on a YouTube live. Um, it's actually, I, I, uh, downloaded the audio from that YouTube live. So uh, there's a podcast episode where I'm re basically reading the entire thing. So if you don't have time to read it, you know, go ahead and get on my podcast and find that episode. But, uh, and it's labeled as a bonus episode anyway. Um, but he talks about the, the sleep function. And that is one thing that I have always like 
preach, preach, preached because I, like I said, I go to bed at like nine 30. Yeah, um, I <laughs> love my sleep. It was when, I mean, and I've always loved my sleep and I, and I'm a good sleeper, you know, second I hit the pillow, I'm like out. Um, and I sleep like really hard all through the night. So, um, one of the things people say is like, you know, to take the technology and like put it in your room for night that never really works for me because I am like out, out. If my kids came back into my room and took their devices, mm. I would never know about it. So mm -hmm. I usually take a technology approach in order to shut everything down so that everybody can get an appropriate amount of sleep. And so I do this through layers of technology. So the first one would be an on-device control. So if you have an Apple device, it would be uh, the screen time um, management. If you have, if your kids have an Android device, then it would be Google family link and you can shut down the device from this time to this time automatically every night they like turn on their phone and it just says time's up. I can't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, you know, they can make an emergency phone call, but mm -hmm. that's about it. Um, and you can do that with all devices. Almost everything has built-in controls. So you set up the um, bedtime on the Nintendo Switch. You set up the bedtime through Microsoft Family Safety, and that covers any like laptops that you have that are Windows-based. Um, it also covers an Xbox. You set it up on the PlayStation. I mean, you're going to have to set it up in a lot of locations. But mm -hmm. um, And Google Family Link also covers Chromebooks. So, um, so setting up that built-in control because they could be using their device. Like if I shut down the Wi-Fi, which I also do, I'm talking about layers. So I shut down the internet for the whole house at a specific time every night. So that means I get my sleep. My husband gets his sleep. The kids get their sleep. You know, the internet is off for the entire family. You know, like I said, sometimes you need to model the appropriate behavior and, um, and so the Wi-Fi shuts down, but if you don't shut down the phone too, they could be playing games that don't require online. They could download mm. videos and watch them later. You know, there's a lot of stuff you can do on your phone without internet access in order to use it. So using uh. those built-in controls for all of the devices that you have in your house and then also shutting down the internet at the same time. Mm. That's helpful. That's good to know. And it reminds me of you were saying uh, in a previous episode about like with Jurassic Park with teens and um, if they they'll find a way. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Life <laughs> finds a way. Yeah. Yeah. I got a kick out of that. So it's like it's having those layers. <laughs> yes. Yes. And um, and I want to talk about that as well as. Um, a, a bit more, there's a couple other things that I wanted to touch base on that surgeon general. Um, and then also about parental controls. Um, so with that surgeon general as well, um, gosh, I feel like we all know the negative effects of social media and we're just learning some of it. Um, you know, and we don't have time. We don't have our teens, our kids don't have time to have that luxury. Um, so what do we do? What do we do now, um, to help now talking earlier about, um, Snapchat and like the streaks and the qu quantifiable data of being right. cool and comparison yes. and all of that. It's just to that developing brain. Gosh, I can, can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on the mental health aspects of social media and, and, um, all that? Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, uh, you went, 
you understand what you mean by the quantifiable data, but you know, the other people haven't, yes. haven't listened to my, my <laughs> talks about this. Um, so teens these days, when I was a kid, you kind of knew who the popular kids were like, okay, these ones are the popular kids, but these days they have quantifiable data to tell them who is better and who is worse. So I post something on Instagram and my friend posts something on Instagram. Like at the same time, there's the same kind of picture. They might even be the same picture. Like we're both like taking selfies together or whatever. And they get 200 likes and I only got 10 likes. That is data that I can see like, oh my gosh, people like her more than they like me. Um, And so that is really damaging to kids' mental health. And I know Instagram is um, doing things to kind of mitigate that where they're not showing the numbers of like how many likes. It just says like, you know, has a lot of likes, you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are some things that the tech companies are doing to help um, with that um, data that they can see. Uh, But like you were saying with the streaks too, kids these days are using their Snapchat streaks as a measure of their relationships. So if I have a really long streak with you, then I'm better friends with you, or we have a closer relationship than this other person where my, I only have like a 10 day streak with them. And the streak Mm -hmm. is I've Snapchatted you and you've Snapchatted me for, you know, however many days in a row. And Mm -hmm. so they do all of these things to keep these streaks alive. So if they get grounded or if they're going on vacation where they're not going to have access to their phone, they'll give their password to a friend to have them log into Snapchat and keep their streaks alive Mm -hmm. so that they don't lose these like precious, precious streaks. And that just helps, you know, bring in the addictive nature of social media, um, you know, where I have to log in and, you know, continue these streaks in order to like prove my relationship. And so, you know, trying to help your kids understand that the streak doesn't measure your relationship. Um, but I also like to help kids, um, you know, if this is really important to them, um, and they're grounded from their phone, maybe I'll put their Snapchat account on my phone and let them log in and continue their streaks and then log back out. You know, just because mm-hmm. they're in punishment doesn't mean you have to completely, you know, destroy their lives as they <laughs> would think they, but yes. you know, just to help them see that you understand that this is really important to them. And that way they're not giving their password to somebody else or something like that. Mm -hmm. but they're able to, um, keep that streak alive. Yeah. Sarah, um, about parent parental controls. Um, is there anything to talk about or to know about that? Um, I I also wanted to just touch base on, uh, chat GPT because that seems to be a new, new term. Um, so if you could talk with us about those two things. Sure. So on, on parental controls, um, just being aware of what parental controls are available to you on any platform. You know, like I said, Nintendo Switch, the PlayStation 5, like almost everything has built-in controls. And so just making sure any type of device that you are giving to your child know what kind of parental controls are available to you and set them up. (laughs) So uh, I think, and that really helps with like time limits. Um, One of the things we we miss talking about with the Surgeon General's advisory Mm -hmm. is, um, 
you know, they had these studies where, you know, social media was damaging to these people's mental health at teens mm-hmm. and they just reduced it to like 30 minutes to an hour a day. It yes. improved their mental health. So it's really mm-hmm. important to understand it's not really the social media itself um, where there can be problematic things in social media. But it's more the time they're spending on it. If they're just yes. spending hours and hours a day, that it continues to deteriorate. So, um, so setting these parental controls where you're setting time limits and you are allowing them some access, but um, but making sure you're under you're managing it and monitoring it. So. Um, uh-huh. With the parental controls, you know, you get always the pushback. Don't you trust me? Um, and what I always tell parents to let their kids know is not about trust. Uh, it's not that the government doesn't trust us to stay seated in our car when we're driving. That's not why seatbelts are required. Mm. Um they're required because they're going to protect us when something goes wrong. And yes. So that's what I kind of compare to parental controls. It's just there to protect you, to make sure that nothing goes wrong. So, yeah, like and the amount of time, it's that amount of time. And I love how you mentioned that even if it is like 30 minutes less, just baby steps, because I mean, for us as adults too, I mean, it's hard sometimes to put that phone down, but I know like when I just go outside, just even if it's for a few minutes and get out of the screen, it just my mind is just so different than what it was like, you know, when I was doing, when my face was in the the (laughs) phone screen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, So then back, back to the chat GPT thing. Um, there is misconception among kids, among parents and, you know, everybody that chat GPT is a search engine and it is not a search engine. It is a language model. So what it's doing is it's taking all the language that it's learning and trying to come up with the answer that it thinks you want. And so where this can be dangerous is when you believe everything that ChatGPT says. So there was a court case um, back in New York um, in federal court where a lawyer used ChatGPT to do his um, case uh, case study research and mm-hmm. or case law, and you know, ask ChatGPT, "Hey, is there a case about this?" And ChatGPT is like, "Sure, there's a case about this. Here's the case," and it had like case number and everything like that. So the lawyer used this uses this in his brief and submits that to the court. The opposing counsel is like, "Um, I can't find this." case. Like, where did you find it? And then he goes back to ChatGPT. He's like, this case is real, right? And ChatGPT is like, yeah, boo, of course, Chat, of course this case is real. And so he submits that, like the responses from ChatGPT to the court. And he's getting sanctioned, you know, almost lost his law license mm-hmm. and things like that because ChatGPT completely fabricated the case. And that's what it can do. It's called hallucinations in ChatGPT. And that will, um, that it's just going to give you the answer that it thinks you want. Um, the math questions, like sometimes if you ask ChatGPT, how many letters are there in family? It'll say like, there, oh, there's six letters in family. And then you're like, oh, are you sure? Oh, actually I, mm-hmm. I, I was wrong. There's nine. You know, and you're like, wow, no, there's not. Um, So there's a lot like 
so you take ChatGPT with a grain of salt and that's what kids really need to understand is, you know, they think it's a search engine and they use it as a search engine. And when it spits back something that's completely false, that might be, you know, they need to be able to discern what is real and what is not. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's the biggest thing with AI technology is, trying to determine what is real. Um, cause there's AI generated images that look, you know, completely real that might be fabricated. So, you know, not believing what you see and what you read, um, is something that kids really need to understand, especially with all of these AI tools out there. Um, and then the last thing about, uh, ChatGPT specifically, um, aside from the hallucinations is that, um, if you're trying to use it for homework or something like mm. that. Um, teachers are smart. They know what to do. So they will put the question that they're asking on their test or their essay or whatever into ChatGPT themselves and see what ChatGPT spits out. If you submit that exact response, which um, I have a friend who's a professor and his last like essay, he got at least five that were exactly the chat GPT response, you know, and, and he knew it was the chat GPT response because he put it in there. Uh Um, So, you know, don't think you're pulling one over on your teachers by using chat GPT for your homework. For one, it lies. And for two, they're going to know. Wow. That's so interesting. And (laughs) Gosh, I wonder if kids, like when they grow up, if they'll have nightmares about that. Like, you know how you <laughs> like, I think like the other night I had the, oh, did I, did I go to that class? You know, like right. the, <laughs> maybe they'll have oh, chat GPT or whatever, but yeah. I, I think it is very interesting. You know what, gosh, technology, you know, and I just, I feel so inspired by you, Sarah, because I, I was so scared of it. Like, it's just was a scary thing for me. And my husband, it was always like, oh, he knows how to do it. Like I was saying earlier, but I feel like you are encouraging us to say, you know, you can learn about this. Like you can't, like it's that growth mindset and it's just, you know, working at it and, you know, just day by day with practice, I can learn more about this. And so, um, I just, I, I love all of that. Um, can you touch base real quick on um, online safety? I know you had an episode about that, and I know just moms like we we're all concerned about about those things. And is there anything that I know you had mentioned um, the grooming behaviors with like Discord was what, like um, you also had that officer Gomez, like Gomez yeah. I think his name was. Um, can you talk yeah. some more about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, online safety. <laughs> yeah, gosh, podcast? yes. And, <laughs> Let's have another episode on all of that. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so I think the important things to realize is, you know, monitoring what your kids are doing, um, putting filters in place is going to be really important. Um, mm-hmm because that's going to prevent access from, uh, from some inappropriate content. It's not a, like a silver bullet. There's ways around it. You know, any filter that you put in place, um, they're not going to be perfect. It's going to allow things in that you don't want to come in. So mm-hmm. really having these conversations with your kids about, um, what you think is inappropriate, what to do when you come across inappropriate content, um, is going to be, you know, 
the most important thing you do is just having these conversations. Um, there's a great, uh, if you have really young kids, Google actually has a really great online safety game kind of thing. It's called hmm. be internet. Awesome. Okay. Uh, and like, I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but you know, that's why I said like younger kids might get a kick out of it, but yeah. you know, kind of goes into online safety and you know, uh, if somebody's offering you this coupon, you know, or not coupon, but like, um, free stuff, you know, is this real and things like that. So it really helps them like avoid scams, avoid predators, um, and things like that. So, um, yeah. be internet awesome is, is a really good resource and it's from Google. Um, and it's just online, like just an online game. Um, hmm. and so that kind of just education I think is, uh, is really important educating your kids about the different scams that are out there and, um, and how, they can get perpetrated. So when I come across a news article about a kid falling for some sextortion scam, you know, uh, they're, they send, they end up sending nude photos to somebody and now they're being extorted. Um, you know, I'll sit down with my kids and say like, Oh my gosh, did you see this news article? And not in a fear-based place, but in a like, Hey, this is the things that can happen online. Um, what would you do different? And, mm -hmm. you know, how would you avoid this so that like this news article is not about you? Um, and so really taking that fear out of it, like you were saying, you don't mm -hmm. want to come from a fear-based place. You want everybody to really understand what it can do, what it can't do, um, and, and go from there. So I, that's kind of the high level online safety. Make sure you filter the content and know about scams. <laughs> yes. Now, do schools now teach anything? Like, are there classes for like more like that, um, you know, high schools and stuff, but are kids sure. learning that? Or I guess it probably depends on, you know, districts and all of that. Right. Too. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a, um, like, you know, you've all heard of red ribbon week. Um, there's a white ribbon week that is all about, um, digital and online safety, uh, that you could encourage your PTA or whatever to mm. do. And that's going to help, but there's no real like curriculum that kids are, you know, going through that has like digital and online safety. So you definitely have to teach that in your home. Um, but no. white ribbon week is a, a great way to start, you know, especially if you're involved in your kid's elementary school. Mm, that's good to know. Yeah. Again, like with this, just from all levels, like us, you know, as families knowing about it, the kids knowing about it and schools and so on and so forth. Gosh, you know, Sarah, I feel like I can talk with you like all day with all my yeah. questions. <laughs> so interesting. Now, um, your website and your podcast is so much information. Can you tell us again how to find you? I really encourage our listeners to check out everything that Sarah has to offer. Like I have been like in the past couple of weeks, just like blown away. I mean, like you guys got to check this out. So can you tell us how we can find you? Sure. I'm family tech on all platforms. So if you just look for family tech, you can find me no matter what platform that you are, you know, most interested in or most consuming. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I'm most active on YouTube and on Instagram. Um, if you have questions, I usually, um, answer all of my direct messages on Instagram. So if you have like a specific tech question, you know, feel free to reach out to me there. Um, and, and then obviously sign up for my email newsletter on my website, family tech zone. You can get that tech contract. Um, I am starting to sell a new, uh, 10 day tech reset. Um, and so it's basically, like I said, it's not a, 
take away technology for 10 days. It's not a detox or anything, but it just helps you be more intentional about your uh, tech usage. Um, I haven't advertised it much. It just got finished. So, um, so you might be able to see that on the website as well. Um, and then uh, Family Tech Talk, my podcast. So. That's awesome. Well, I'll definitely put all of that in the show notes so our listeners can access and looking forward to hearing everything that you have to say. And it's just, it's, it's an absolute pleasure, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to be here. Thank you so much.